You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. If you guys haven't checked out the new Navigator series from Lacrosse, I strongly suggest you do that. Two really good boots within that Navigator series, the Windrose and the Atlas. If you want to find out more information about all of the boots that Lacrosse offers, visit their website, lacrossefootwear.com. You won't regret it. Welcome to the Transition Wild Podcast, brought to you by Expedition Archery. I'm your host, Adam Parr, and you're listening to episode number 61, where we talk grizzly bear encounters with Mike Mershon. Hello, and thanks again for tuning into the Transition Wild Podcast, the number one source for Western big game hunting. I can't believe we're already in February. This is just getting nuts. The, uh, the year 2020 is flying by and as we're getting closer I know it's February I used to look at I don't know when I when I was younger and just hunting in Michigan for whitetails and the season opened October 1st man hunting although I thought about it a lot I just I didn't really start preparing and thinking about it till like really the the summer because I didn't really need to there's just a lot less going on a lot less gear a lot less preparation a lot less land and species to deal with but now that I've lived in the West, man, it just seems like, wow, you get done with archery hunting in September and holy cow, next thing you know, it's February, March, and it's starting to get warm out and you really got to get your stuff together because you got to start applying for tags and figuring out what you got to do and where you're going to go. And it's just, uh, it's already, I already feel like I'm behind the game. I don't know if you guys are in the same boat as me, but it, it just seems like it never stops or slows down, which is fine. You know, I roll with it, but it's it's going to come quick and for 2020 I'm thinking I'm really leaning heavily towards a high country mule deer hunt here in Colorado. I think I want to excuse me, uh spend some points and and you know, see what I can get into for a couple points and see what I can get to for a high country mule deer hunt. I think that'll be really cool with the bow in hand. So that's what I'm thinking about and we'll see what what comes for elk after that and uh but Whatever happens, it'll be a fun year. And if you guys are planning on hunting in Colorado in 2020, I've yet to release it yet, but I'm working on the 2020 version of the Colorado Beginner Elk Hunting Guide. And that's a free PDF download. If you go to my site, you subscribe, uh, basically give me your email, and I will send you the Colorado Beginner Elk Hunting Guide for free. And that just walks you through getting started here in Colorado with elk, everything you need to know from scouting to gear to preparation to various resources and tons of articles and podcasts that you can listen to to that really get you jacked up and you know provide a lot of information for this fall. So definitely go subscribe, transitionwild.com. I'll send you the Colorado Beginner Elk Hunting Guide for free. And once you're on that list, when I upgrade to the 2020 version, I will, uh, I'll send that out to you as well. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for everybody who's subscribed, left reviews. Uh, those five-star reviews mean a lot. Keep those coming. Much, much appreciated. All right, my guest today, Michael Mershon. He's a resident of Montana, and this is a podcast I've really wanted to record for some time now. I've, I've always kind of been infatuated with hunting elk or deer or whatever but it seems like elk 
more in in grizzly country and I, I i'm just real interested from a couple standpoints of you know eventually hunting in idaho or montana or some of these states outside of colorado that have grizzly bears and then also just wanted to hear about the you know what what mike has a really interesting story he's he's lived in in and hunted in grizzly bear country and he's he's got a pretty pretty close call encounter from this past fall so i i really wanted to hear the story on that and and hear that firsthand so it was really cool talking with him i learned a lot great story great guy so let's not wait any longer let's get mike mershon on the line before we begin today's episode is brought to you by expedition archery manufacturer of the world's finest archery experience expedition bows combine aerospace level quality innovative designs and a fluid feel serious hunters demand test drive one today at your nearest archery retailer and view their full lineup at expeditionarchery.com why settle for status quo when opportunity and adventure awaits make your next hunt an expedition all right on the line with us now mike mershon from montana how are you mike ah doing good yeah yeah, uh, sounds like you've been on the mountain for the last day or so. You guys just got hit with a bit of snow, so you've been doing some skiing and in the mountains. Sounds like that's been fun. How was that? Yeah, absolutely. We uh, we finally got our, our good late winter storm hit us and um, snuck out for a, a quick Monday day of uh powder so yeah it worked out well <laughs> that's a good good way to spend the day after the super bowl is is getting a little bit of a uh you know time on the mountain and skiing i'm sure that's a lot better than working <laughs> yeah that's right they say that uh what that monday after the super bowl is the most called in day for work or something, right? <laughs> so i figured that was a good enough excuse that makes sense that makes sense yeah, yeah. if you're if you're if you're not calling in you're either going to be super unproductive it should just be a national holiday for a lot of people and uh you know because most people are probably hung over or can't really concentrate too well <laughs> yeah well if it wasn't for a powder snow i'd i'd probably be back at work <laughs> <laughs> got it what uh what do you do for work oh i'm a contractor here in uh billings montana uh, do some some management for uh some rental properties and stuff like that self-employed okay um, so yeah very yeah. cool very cool does that give you a little bit more flexibility for for hunting and and, and doing some of the outside activities yeah you hit it right on the nail head <laughs> there that's uh, that's the principal reason behind my motivations i'm uh, i'm fortunate enough to be able to structure my work schedule to take off uh, an extended amount of time throughout the fall. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. That's uh, one of the perks of, of of doing your own thing. That's great. That's really cool. And yeah. and so you said you're from Billings, Montana, or that's where you currently live. Did you grow up there? Or are you a Montana resident, Montana native? Uh, well, yeah. So I was I was born in Colorado. Uh, lived at uh, St. Mary's Glacier. Um, you know, just above Idaho Springs there. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, so that's kind of over in your neck of the woods, I yep. think. And then uh, you know we moved up to Montana in '91. In so I've been in Montana, you know, all my all my adult life, and that's where you know my hunting career and and, and outdoor career has has really 
blossomed. Yeah, I was gonna say it's uh, it's Montana's probably a whole different. Colorado's wild, and there's a lot of public land, but I've heard Montana is just a whole other realm of that. A uh, lot of a lot more, uh, less people, I guess, and and more wild places. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. I mean, uh, there, you know, I, I still love Colorado. I, I still go back there, and and I've got family back there a little bit still. So, you know, the sights can't be beat in Colorado, but. Um, yeah, I I I call Montana home now, and and I'm I'm pretty happy with with the little nooks and crannies that I found up here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So did did you grow up like that? Did your dad and and our family uh, kind of get you into hunting, or is that something you kind of picked up on your own? Um, yeah. So uh, when we moved uh, to Montana, we moved here because uh, we had a lot of family up here already. And so, really, it was my uncle and, and grandfather who got me into hunting. Um, wow. My my father certainly introduced me to the outdoors and gave me appreciation for the outdoors, but he was never really a hunter himself. Um, and so, my hunting background really came from my uncle and, um, of course, my grandfather as well. Yeah, yeah, 100%. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, if, uh, you know, I've had a few guys on the podcast that, that got into hunting late in life. And that's, that's been a really cool perspective too. But, you know, for myself, and it sounds like you, you just kind of grew up with it in the family. It's just kind of in your blood and that's what you've always known and you've carried it on yeah, to your later sure. years. Yep, absolutely. I was, I was fortunate enough to, I, I, I couldn't wait till the first year I could go to elk camp with, with the guys, you know, Yeah. back then, uh, grandpa and, and, and uncle Rick and everybody, they would always, they would do a big um, trip there at the end of the season, and, and they'd pull in, set, you know, the big, huge tent with uh, big, huge camp with with wall tents and horse trailers and the whole nine yards. And and uh, those first couple of years, I was able to go in and tag along with Gramps and and ride horses with him, and and uh, got to experience that early on, and then. Um, you know, as I kind of got old enough to really hunt, all those guys were kind of ending their career. And so they sold off all the horses and everything. And, and uh, you know, by the time I was really up and, and going gung-ho, um, you know, those guys were more or less retired and, and kind of hanging out at camp more than hunting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a lost uh, way of hunting or style of hunting. I mean, it, it I mean, it, some people still do it, but it, usually it's with an outfitter or, you know, a guide service. It's, there's less of the DIYers setting up wall tents and, and doing the horses and all that stuff. It just seems like that was kind of more of an older generation thing. And, and it's still certainly going on, but I feel like just the costs and a lot of new technologies, it's kind of, you know, something that's a smaller piece of elk hunting now. Yeah, sure. I, yeah, I, I think you kind of hit it on the nail. It's just so expensive to, for the average guy to, to manage that anymore. Um, you know, keeping horses around for the whole year, just to hunt off of them. Um, you know, you're feeding those animals the whole time and, and that builds and everything. So, you know, I, uh, I know, I certainly know guys that still keep stock around and, and guys that hunt off mules and stuff like that. But, yeah, I I personally can't afford to you know keep 
yeah. to stalk around, though. <laughs> so as I'm starting to get older, it's like, oh, I, I see exactly why those guys did that. Oh, yeah, yeah. No. As, the, as the extractions get harder, it really, really makes the guy ponder how you could pull that off having, <laughs> having some llamas or goats or something yeah yeah exactly so is yeah. so are elk is that kind of your 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 main gig what you love the most or do you do mule deer antelope any other species or do you do you just love elk yeah yeah the whole nine yards i'm i'm uh i'm pretty pretty wide open to the species uh i certainly concentrate on um on elk um mule deer i, I i'm kind of kind of addicted to big mule deer right now for the last couple of years um but uh you know mostly big game um i do a little bit of bird hunting but i i can kind of save them that for my retirement plan you know <laughs> yeah a little little gentler more action you know it can take more breaks it's not as hardcore uh yeah <laughs> that's, exactly. that's fun hunting yeah. there yeah for sure bird, bird hunting and fly fishing that's my retirement <laughs> plan <laughs> there you go pound the mountain now and get into those nasty gnarly spots way back in while you can because those years are limited <laughs> yeah 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 that's for sure so is majority of your hunting done in Montana, or do you hit any other maybe neighboring states, Idaho, or do you get back down here to Colorado? What does your typical fall look like? Yeah, so I've always, um, you know, like I said, I'm just a, a average working guy. Um, so I've always just concentrated on, on residency here in Montana, you know. Um, I stay busy between, you know, between elk and, and, uh, and the deer tag and an antelope tag starting in August, you know, that keeps the guy busy all the way through fall. Oh yeah. Um, although just recently I have been kind of looking at, at, you know, some of the, some of the other funner hunts, like, you know, these, these deer hunts that are in January down in Arizona and, and stuff like that. Um, I don't know that I'd really be too, too interested in going out of state to chase elk in September when, you know, we have such prime hunting, <laughs> Yeah. right here out of my back door <laughs> yeah exactly it's like uh it's like my buddy dan johnson who does the nine finger chronicles podcast and you know he does the sportsman's nation podcast network where this show is hosted but you know he lives in iowa so it's like why why would he go anywhere else to hunt whitetails in, in any other state you know i mean yeah. he, he yeah. comes out and hunts elk yeah. with me but he's he has no reason to leave to go anywhere else for iowa and i was like yeah i understand i get it man it, it makes total sense why leave something you know and and it's some of the best in the world so <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i always tell people i hunt places that i want to be in you know so sometimes guys laugh at at the areas that i hunt but it's like i, I hunt those areas because i enjoy being in those areas i don't necessarily want to go tromping all around just to see new areas. I, I like being in the areas that I know. <laughs> okay, got it. Yeah, I was gonna have you clarify that. So you like you like going learning the learning the spots over the years, dialing those in, and then really you know learning it so you have some good success and and know what you're getting into. Sure. Yeah. And you know, I we certainly hunt a large section of the state and. Um, yeah, I, mean, I I've actually kind of made it a point, like in my own mind, to to expand my horizons because there for a few years I was getting to the point where it's like I would just go around like you know the same saddle, same knoll, look at the same stuff, 
and we'd always kill off doing that. But it's like, you know, there's, I want to go, you know, let's, let's go see what's around us, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I, I mean, I have kind of made it a point to expand my horizons, but, um, you know, I, I, there's enough stuff around us that, that, uh, it, it'll keep a guy busy for multiple lifetimes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, that paints a pretty good picture of your background, Mike, and you know your your hunting style and 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 kind of what you're after. And and as as you know, I wanted to have you on the podcast to to talk about hunting elk in in grizzly bear country, and then also talk about yeah. you know an encounter that you've had this past fall, which is it's really interesting. I can't wait to hear the story, but. Um, you know, obviously we, so I, I sent out a little post on rock slide and, and we kind of started the conversation there and you told me a little bit about it. And, you know, I, I just really want to dive into that and, and, and hear it because from, from myself, it's kind of a, a two part thing for the podcast. One, I think it's a good story and, and very interesting, but at the same time, I also want to, hunt in a state of Montana or Idaho or because in Colorado we don't have that dynamic here with something that can really sure, mess sure. you up so I'm sure it adds a whole nother element so I kind of want to start with like you know talking about grizzly country in general I don't want to get into the story just yet but talking about hunting okay. in 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 grizzly country and um you know is this something have you always hunted in areas obviously there's different parts of the state where you know there's higher populations and you know lower densities and in, in certain units but um have you always kind of found yourself hunting in and around grizzly country yeah for the most part like i said um you know i i learned a lot of my hunting from uh you know from grandparents and uncle and everybody and um and I like to hunt in the mountains. And so that by itself has led me to always hunt in grizzly country, you know. And, and so um, we've always hunted and we hunt, you know, mountain ranges and, and areas that are, that are well known for their, for their bear densities. And, uh, you know, it's kind of just the, the country that I've grown up in, whether it's, you know, backpacking in in the summer or, or skiing in, in the winter or, hunting in in the fall um you know those are kind of the areas i like i said i enjoy being in so yeah i i do hunt those areas and you know throughout the years um i, I mean you guys see in in the news articles as well there's like every year there's there's bear encounters and uh you know we've had guys in our camp um that get uh, uh attacked and and um uh, have encounters and stuff and so you know in your mind you're always aware that they're out there and you're seeing them and you're seeing their tracks and everything but um you know it's a it's a choice you can either you can either go out there and, and hunt and enjoy enjoy yourself or you know you can be be uh be intimidated and and not not enjoy yourself yeah yeah but, you know you just kind of have to choose to to be aware of what's going on around you and, and go out and enjoy yourself still. Yeah, for sure. You know, like it's just, it's for myself, it's very hard to imagine the perspective or what I would feel like, you know, if I, if you place me in Montana and I'm in, in an area, of high grizzly population, I would, 
as somebody who's not used to that, I feel like my senses would be really heightened and I would be, you know, probably scared in, in some scenarios or, or, or but, but to you, is, is it kind of more second nature? Like, obviously you're aware and you've prepared and, you know, you do, you take necessary precautions, mm-hmm. but is it, is it kind of more second nature at this point? Yeah, I think it is. Like I, like I said, um, the majority of my recreating is in these mountains. And so it's just a part of the way I recreate, you know, if I'm, if we're out trail running in the summertime, then, you know, we're making noise and, and hooping and hollering and have dogs with us and stuff. And, uh, you know, in the, in the fall, you're kind of like you say, your, your, your senses are heightened. You, you need to be aware of, of what's going on around you. And, you know, as my story will tell, sometimes even that doesn't, doesn't account for it, but, um, you know, you just, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's second nature to, to go out into the mountains and, and just know that you're sharing that, those hills with, with an apex predator, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that since, you know, since you started hunting maybe in the mid nineties or whenever that was, have you, are you seeing more grizzly bears? Are you, are you seeing, um, maybe not necessarily like face-to-face encounters, but are you just seeing sure. more and seeing more sign and, uh, tell us a little yeah, bit about glassing that. and stuff. It, boy, it sure seems that way. Whether or not we actually are, I mean, I mean, I've got to assume that we are, um, because we know that the populations are increasing, and so uh, you know, it, it definitely seems like we are. We've always seen bears, um, you know, here and there, and we've always come across tracks and, and stuff like that. But um, man, it sure seems like we're seeing an increase in numbers. Um, this area that that I was in, I was scouting it uh, last summer. The you know the summer leading up to a season, and um, I was I was up, up at the head of a, a, a great glassing vantage, so I could see down into three separate big drainages. You know, I could see like two miles every direction, and I I went up there just a quick overnight trip and came back out like midday the next the next day, and. Uh, I think I, I counted 13 bears and 11 of them were grizzlies. Wow. <laughs> so like that was the day that I've seen the most bears. <laughs> yeah. And that yeah. was, you know, last year. Yeah. Wow. So that's, it that's sure crazy. seems like we're seeing more. Yeah. 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 It makes, makes a whole lot of sense. I was just curious, you know, from somebody who's kind of seen the trend, you know, from, from 20 some years ago to, to now it's, um, you know, it's, yeah. it's interesting to hear you you know, say that and you're, you're seeing them. It's, it's not necessarily anecdotal evidence. I mean, it's just something that you're experiencing firsthand. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What, uh, what are you doing from a, from a gear perspective as far as, you know, preparing or, um, you know, like, I guess let's talk about, uh, you know, a, a handgun or a sidearm and air spray. Mm-hmm. Like what, what, what are you doing? Um, I guess what caliber are you using and, and what are kind of some of the things that you're doing with your gear setup in order to protect against a potential counter? Sure. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of a gear nut, you know, like, like most of us are. Um, so I'm always playing and tinkering with my, with my setups and, and, you know, doing mods and trying to change things incrementally. Um, so, but I've, I've always carried bear spray. That's, that's, um, you know, that's just a constant. I, whether, 
anytime I'm in the in the mountains, I, I have bear spray on me. You know, if I'm trail running or, or anything, bear spray is always on me. Um, and then there for a while, I I um, started carrying a, a great big Ruger Alaskan. Uh, you know, a, a 454 wow. um, a revolver, and I carried that in a in a leather chest holster. <clears throat> and the and you know it was a it was a quality holster, is super nice leather work and everything, but it had a, a thumb snap over it. And so the the draw sequence was, um, you know, slightly slower than than normal. Than, than an open top holster would be. And then, uh, of course, like most hunters nowadays, I, I also wear a, a bino harness. And so it was kind of just a cluster having having that holster kind of buried in with your, with your binos, you know? Yeah, sure. Like you could, you could get set up to where you could access it, but it was just never quite ideal. So there for, um, you know, there for a while, I... I tried making that work and then I just abandoned the pistol altogether and, and just went back to carrying bear spray. And, um, and then I, uh, went through and, and kind of reevaluated things. And, and I took a, a, a really great course, um, out of Bozeman through, uh, uh Montana was the, was the outfit's name. And they kind of showed me some some stuff that interested me. And, and there's a another guy out of Bozeman making holsters that hang underneath your bino harness. And uh, and so I, I I wound up making one similar to his for the gun that I had, which was a, um, a Kimber 357, just a a small lightweight revolver. And uh, and that's kind of why I've switched to it's a Kydex holster, so you know it just it just more or less clips into place yep. the, the the revolver into the holster. There's no there's no physical uh, containment straps or anything to it, and so your draw sequence is extremely quick, easy to access. Um, you know when you're taking layers on and off all the time, it's just one bino harness instead of a bino harness and a holster. Got to, it. You know, drop a layer, and so I just found myself carrying that way more often. Which, um, you know, if you're if you're if you're gonna carry a gun, then carry it all the time. Yeah, yeah, and have it, you know, at the ready and where you can get to it as quick as possible, and you know what's most comfortable for you. I'm sure. So. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Now. And. Uh, oh yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, so so that's that's um, kind of been my progression, and then um, and, and that's what so that's what I used this past uh, this past fall was that 357 um, on my chest, and I'm still I'm still kind of playing with things, and just me as um, you know as as I know myself, I know that I shoot semi-automatic um, guns, pistols more efficiently and more often than, than I do my revolvers. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think my next thing that I'm looking into is, uh, you know, a 10 millimeter worn on my hip. Um, again, just because that's kind of my most go-to sequence. That's very familiar to me. Um, I can point those guns 
the same across all the guns that I carry. And, uh, I'm just trying to simplify things as to, to, to be more efficient. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Now, if I was hunting regularly in, in grizzly country, I think I would be at the range a lot more often practicing or at least, you know, shooting my handgun and, and practice drawing. Is that something that, you know, you keep on top of and, and, and you're shooting your gun quite a bit and practicing your draw sequence and kind of going through the motions there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's, I think that's the most important thing, whatever weapon or, you know, method of defense you choose. If you're going to use bear spray, that still needs to be practiced with. Yeah. Um, I would strongly encourage anybody who, who carries bear spray to either buy the, you can buy a bottle of, um, of practice spray and, uh, you know, it's, it's an inert spray, but it still acts the same. Yeah. Or just go shoot off one of your, you know, one of your, um, out of date canisters. I'm sure everybody has, um, make sure it's going downwind and, you know, take the proper precautions and everything. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. You need to practice, um, with my revolvers and pistols and everything, you'll kind of notice I've, I started with a big boomer and have incrementally stepped my way down in caliber and, and cartridge size. And, um, you know, if you don't shoot a lot, uh, those, those big hand cannons are, or a son of a gun to, to hang on to and, and get repeatable <laughs> hits on, you know? And, um, so that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's what I would say in a nutshell. Um, where do you carry your ba- bear spray at? Is, is, is your bear spray on your other hip or where do you carry that at? Yeah. So I've got it configured so that, um, my, my pistols are, are configured for my uh, strong hand draw, um, you know, so I can access it with a single hand. Um, and then I set up my bear spray on my left hip to access with my uh, weak hand draw. So if, if you know if both hands are accessible, it's it's very doable to draw both of those at the same time and hold your bear spray with your pistol, um, with uh, you know with both hands on your pistol so that you can have both up and accessible at the same time. Um, Or, you know, in the case of, you know, archery hunters, we almost always have our bow in our hands when we're hunting, right? Yeah. And most of us right-handers have our bow in our left hand. So so we're going to be probably drawing with a single hand at that point. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you're you're whatever pinned to your right or whatever, you have a, a weapon on either side of you. Or, you know, a method of defense on either side of you, potentially. That makes sense. That makes sense. Now, when, let's say you've, you're having an afternoon lunch break or you're, you're dipping water out of a, a stream, um, is that gun and bear spray, is that on you at all times? Or are you, are you kind of loose with, oh, maybe it's right there at the backpack and I can get to it? Yeah. So, like I said, uh, you know, I carried um, with a chest holster for a while and so that was on me all the time and then i carried uh you know currently with a a holster um on my bino harness and yeah that's on me all the time um you know the only time i take that off is uh 
you know, basically crawling into the, the sleeping bag or, or whatever, into the tent. And then, you know, that gun's, you know, set up in the corner <laughs> right there of the, at the tent ready. Or, or wherever. <laughs> yeah, right there at the ready. Um, you know, at least accessible. Um, the And so I mentioned earlier that I'm, I'm now kind of looking at, at doing a, a, a hip holster. And the reason for that is I found when I'm working on, you know, when I'm, when I'm processing an animal in the field, it's previously, I always liked taking, you know, my bino harness off just cause you're always bent down and working and stuff. And this last couple of years I've been leaving that on cause that's where my pistol's at. And so that's kind of a pain, you know, when you're bent down having to deal with all that hanging there yeah. in front of you. Well, you know, that's kind of plays into me wanting to play with having a, having a, a hip um, holster. Um, so, like I said, I'll, I'll play that out this year and, and see if yeah, if it balances out, or or maybe I'll wind up going back to a, a chest holster. Got it. Got it. Now, it talked a little bit about being around camp too. What let's talked about. Let's talk about when you do uh, an overnight or let's say an extended hunt where you're setting up a camp. What what are some precautions that you are doing when when you set that up? Obviously, you know, food is away um, and and probably hung in a tree. Um, do you do anything like security measures for alerting anything coming into camp? Tell us a little bit about that setup. Yeah, so you know my setups. I, I see it as, uh, you know, just every, everyday camp, but I'm sure, you know, like you say, some guys don't think of this stuff. Um, and so, you know, I kind of had to think about it for a second of, of what exactly it is that I do do. And um, all of this stuff, you know, talking guns and, and talking weapons and stuff like that, sure, it's fun and makes us feel warm and fuzzy inside, but all this other stuff is is really what, what keeps us safe i feel like yeah and so um yeah at camp um you know there's and and this is all stuff that a guy can get off of like the uh, uh, national forest service websites and and stuff like that um but you know setting up setting up your uh your cooking area in your sleeping area in your bear hang making that all far enough away from each other to, to not you know, have a bear wander through the whole dang thing. And uh, so I, I think um, there's supposed to be like 100 yards or something between where you hang your food and where you cook. And usually the way that plays out for me is, um, you know, if I'm if I'm going into an area, I'm going into an area to, to set up my camp and then I'm going to go glass. And so I'll, uh, I'll generally go to my glassing knob first and drop all of my um like all my cooking stuff and everything out there and then i'll keep going and you know go however far it is uh, at least 100 yards but you know i might even go another half a mile or something and go set up my camp there and that's gonna only be you know my sleeping stuff and that's pretty much it my sleeping stuff yeah you know, so I'll set up set up my, my baby sack or my tarp or my tent or whatever it is, and then I'll turn around and come back to all my food, all my cook stuff. All that stuff will never even come into my sleeping area. 
And so then, you know, I'll, I'll spend all day or whatever glassing and, and that's where I'll make my meals and eat and, and do everything else. And then at night, my, uh, you know, I'll find a tree somewhere in between there or hang it off of a cliff or, or something like that. Um, you know, in between those two areas where, you know, it'll, it'll be, it'll be separated. And so I never bring, I mean, you know, I try not to ever bring any of my food stuff into my camp. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah that's, yeah. you know, and for me hunting in Colorado, I, I mean, I, I guess I'm just never really worried about it. Obviously there's black bears, but I mean, I guess I should, should probably take more precautions, but I constantly have food around my tent and, you know, I just leave it in my backpack. It's just, I mean, it's just, I don't, I've never had the threat. That's probably stupid, but you know, I just, it's not the same level as what you're dealing with. So, um, (laughs) yeah, it's not on your mind. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, um, talk to us about, just general hunting. I mean, my, my buddy, Chris Nolan, he works for mystery ranch, uh, backpacks in Montana and he's a good close friend of mine. And, and I was actually just talking with him recently while we were at the ATA show in Indianapolis. And I was asking him about, you know, like, well, what are you doing during the day as far as like maybe precautions or whatever to avoid potential grizzlies? And he said, you know, he, he, he avoids certain areas. Like, I think he was saying like he avoids like lower, you know, brushy, brushy, thicker, like Creek drainages. And he sticks more to like ridge tops during the day when they might be, you know, out and about cruising or whatever. But, um, I guess what's your take on that? Are you, are you avoiding any uh, certain areas? Are you keying in on certain spots that maybe would, would, you know, be better suited to not be, ambushed or kept caught off guard tell us a little bit about that yeah sure uh, you know as hunters we're doing pretty much everything that you could do wrong wrong <laughs> <laughs> you know we're sneaking through the woods yeah. with the wind in our face trying to move quietly trying not to you know spread our our, our um, senses around anything and so you know, in a, in a perfect world, do everything that you would normally not do hunting and you would never see a bear, you know? Um, but of course we're, we're out there hunting, trying to find game. So you kind of just have to be aware of that. Uh, you know, when I, when I know that I'm hunting in, in a high grizzly density area, um, you know, my ner- my, uh, my senses are certainly on point. Um, you know, you're, you're paying attention. It's, it's almost like you're, you're still hunting everywhere you go. You know, I'm sure you've still hunted into dark timber after an elk and, you know, you're, you're paying attention to every little limb snap and everything around you. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's kind of your best bet. Certainly there's, there's things that we'll avoid. Like, you know, if we know, if we know where there's a carcass, if, you know, the, the area you're in is as high pressure and, and there's guys killing elk. If, you know, you know that somebody just killed an elk over in that drainage, then we're going to make, we're going to kind of give a berth around that whole area because, you know, that can very well be drawing bears into there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, of course we're always paying attention for sign. There's, um, uh, there's plenty of times where, you know, we'll go in in the morning 
and come back out that night and there'll be bear tracks over our tracks. And so at that point, it's, you know, it's up to you. I mean, if there's elk in there, then, you know, maybe you're going to go back, but maybe you're not. Maybe it's, maybe it's time to jump over a ridge and, you know, just that, that bear have that drainage. Um, you know, the, the bears move so much that you're, you know, unless you're seeing them in there, it's hard to say exactly where they're at. Yeah. Um, yeah, it makes sense. Know. I know they cover miles and miles, you know, they, they don't stay necessarily in one spot for too crazy long yeah. and, and they just do the yeah. same thing, you know, y- you would do if you were trying to hunt with your teeth. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. You know, um, the, uh, the other guy that, that we know who, who had an encounter, um, you know, he was going in and in, in the pre-dawn hours and he was up against the trees <clears throat> kind of where you know out out in the snow to your left it's it's kind of light enough to see but off to your right in the trees it's dark still and uh and he said that that bear came out of that darkness you know we've all been there when when it's just starting to get light enough where the snow is white but the trees are just pitch black still and um so now i kind of keep that in my mind and you know if i'm cruising down a trail where uh you know, you have a little bit of freedom of movement and you can give yourself a little space off of that, that dark patch that you just can't see into, you know, that's, that's, uh, certainly comforting to be able to step away from that edge a little bit if possible. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, just like I said, it sounds like you have to kind of make a decision on what you feel comfortable with based on maybe what sign or, or what you've seen in the area, because like you said, it's kind of unpredictable, um, you know, from, from a lot of standpoints and it's just, uh, you know, using, I would think a lot of common sense, like you said, if you, if there's a known grizzly in the area or there's a, a kill site that, you know, people have talked about Mm -hmm. or whatever, obviously you want to, avoid that and and uh at all at all possible but uh at the same time it's a it's a bit unpredictable i'm sure yeah it is and and like you say it comes down to you know level of risk that a guy's willing to accept um theoretically there could be a bear anywhere in montana at any given point and so you know if you want to if you want to go out hunting then you have to you know, just ask yourself, am I willing to, you know, potentially run into a bear? And I think it's pretty safe to say that those chances are, are, are slim, even for the high risk archery September elk hunters, you know, I mean, it's, it's certainly those, those guys are, or us are, are at the highest, (laughs) <laughs> percentage of, of running into a bear but i still feel like that is a pretty slim chance yeah um, you know and, and especially if it's like you say you're you're paying attention to sign and and uh you know if there's fresh sign in there just back out and, and go somewhere else yeah yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. now you said yeah. Uh, I heard you say, you know, maybe a hunting partner or some other guys uh, that you've shared camps with yeah. have had, you know, pretty close call grizzly encounters. Um, have you have you been 
directly associated with those experiences? Like, have you also had encounters with them while that happened? Or have you had other separate, maybe closer call encounters outside of this more recent one this past fall? Yeah. So when, uh, when our buddy got attacked, he actually got, got, um, got roughed up a little bit and he, he turned that bear around, um, with bear spray. The bear was on top of him when he sprayed him. No kidding. Um, I was, I wasn't directly with him. Um, but I was, his, um, I took him to the hospital. <laughs> I was, I picked him up down on the road after he hiked down to us. Um, you know, that's certainly the worst encounter that, that any of my group has, has, has had. Um, I've bumped into bears several times in the, in the, you know, throughout my lifetime, just hiking. Um, I had a, I had a pretty bad and pretty close encounter, <laughs> uh, several years ago coming down from a, a climbing trip. Um, this was in like August or something. We were, uh, we were on a mountaineering trip, just a partner and I, um, you know, the last thing on our minds was, was bears or bear activity or being bear aware. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're moving quickly and, and, you know, an alpine start, all this nonsense, super lightweight. And we get in there and, and, uh, I think we were on our way back out when we looked at each other and asked each other, like, hey, do you have bear spray? Like, no. Do you have bear spray? Neither one of us had any. <laughs> I thought you had it. No, you had it. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. One of those. And uh, we knew it was meant to be because we were in a, a, a pretty remote area. And the one little spot that we happened to, to set up camp, we found a bottle of bear spray laying there. Oh yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's like this has to be a sign. Like we have to make sure we have this bear spray on us on our way out. And uh, you know, we we climbed we did our little objective and we're coming out and of course the bear spray is in the bottom of my backpack. Oh man. And we're we're like hiking and, and making noise and talking and chattering and uh, you know, here comes a here comes a bear and we just came over a little rise and scared each other. And, you know, he took off running, but it was, it was too close for comfort. He oh. was, you know, maybe 10 yards from us or something. And it was like that, that, that incident really kind of shaped me like, and helped me realize like you just, you know, that was the last thing that we were expecting to occur on, on a climbing trip. And yet, you know, we're, we're in these same mountains. It's, it's still the same thing as hunting, you know? Yeah. So just need to always be, always be ready. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and the, the story of your buddy, I mean, actually getting, you know, mauled and, and, and roughed up a little bit. Um, how did that, how did that go down? Do you, do you kind of know the details of how that unfolded? I, I mean, obviously you don't have to drag it out, but like, I mean, yeah. how did that happen? Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, hopefully the listeners will be able to see that all of these incidents are a series of mistakes stacked on top of each other that leads up to a, a bad experience. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so our little hiking, climbing experience, you know, first of all, we didn't have any bear spray with us. Um, and then when we did have bear spray with us, it was in the bottom of the backpack, you know. 
And so, um, yeah, with my buddy's experience, um, again, he shot a bull right at last light. Um, you know, he had a, he had a questionable hit on it and he went after it, pursued it for a ways and, and was bumping it, I think. And so just, just made the decision to back out that night. Um, you know, came back to camp, um, I don't remember exactly. There there were several of us there, and for whatever reason, everybody split off in their own directions the next morning. Um, you know, I think I think we were all in elk, and so we are all excited to, to go after him. But he went back in there by himself um, right at first light, you know, hoping to, to, you know, go find his bull laying in its bed. And, uh, you know, like I said, went in in the dark, and right as it was getting light, um, you know, just going up the trail and, and, and suddenly said, uh, you know, one of these dark trees suddenly turned into a bear and it was just right on top of him instantly. Holy cow. And, uh, this was late season with a rifle. And, um, I think he had the rifle slung on his shoulder and, uh, just instantly the bear kind of leapt at him. And I think he put his, his, you know, just put his left arm out kind of to you know let it hit that first and the bear i think bit onto his wrist and stuff and so he fell backwards onto his rifle and uh was able to get to his bear spray on his hip and i think the bear was standing like down at his feet when he sprayed it and so he sprayed the bear spray across his body and you know directly into the bear and uh the bear turned around left and uh, he got he got some pretty good bites in his arm and his wrist and his hand, and then of course got bear spray all over in his face as oh, well. Jesus, yeah. He's he's trying to stand up and get backed away and get a gun, get a shell in his gun, and and trying to get snow in his face, and it was it was a real fiasco. Oh, I bet. Sounded like. <laughs> yeah. And um, he he was able to get a single text message out to his brother, who was, you know, on on another part of the mountain, and his brother was able to. It just so happened that that my brother and I were the closest ones to him, and so uh, we we're all able to kind of text to each other where where everybody was at, and and uh, we were able to find him down on the road. He was able to just drop straight down to us and. You know, as far as as far as getting mauled by a bear, he had maybe the best luck a guy could have. I mean, his arm was torn up, but we got it bandaged up and took him into the hospital, and and he was back to work pretty quickly. So yeah, yeah, it sounds a, like it could have been definitely uh, a lot worse. It it could have it could have been a lot worse, absolutely. Yeah, know? wow, that's and, that's crazy. You know, so so again, um, you know, he he shot a bull that night and then uh you know went back in there by himself in the dark and you know again just a kind of seems like a series of mistakes that led up to a batting count is that is that something um and, and it sounds like your your scenario was was a similar similar deal track tracking a bull uh is that something mm-hmm. that you know based on this experience and maybe another one that hey you're tracking a maybe any sort of wounded bull that you don't find within the first you know couple hundred yards or whatever um would you recommend having a partner with you or at least back up there 
Uh, I mean, certainly. I, I, I would certainly recommend it. Um, I just happen to hunt by myself and recreate by myself a lot. Got and it. So yeah, it makes I'm, sense. I'm certain, you know, I'm certainly not the the uh, model to live by, but um, <laughs> you know, yeah, certainly having having more more guys, more eyes around you, you know, more help around you, it's it's only going to help. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So let's let's jump over to this past fall and and let's talk about that. And it, it was isn't this past September, right? In twenty nineteen, you had this encounter. Yeah, um, yeah. Tell us, yeah, it was. tell us how that unfolded and and kind of you know what led up to it. And let's get into the nitty gritty. Yeah, you bet. So um, yeah, this past this past archery elk season um, started on the eighth for us, and it was just just a fantastic opening week i mean lots of encounters the bulls were fired up um you know just everything a guy could hope for in september um lots of action all the way leading up to it and uh i I hunted with my brother for the first several days and then he had to go go back in i stayed out and um and so i you know get in on a on a on a herd with with two bulls and uh was able to to you know do some bugling and cow calling and stuff and and got uh this one bull to you know a, a mature six-point bull to come in and and uh he turns and turns broadside just perfectly right right where i'm wanting him to go and uh i've got a nice window you know uh i don't know microwave size window in the trees that that he's going to come right across through and uh, he's at 15 yards and I bark at him and stop him right as he's coming up to the, to the window. And uh, you know, I'm drawn back and uh, I bark at him and he takes one more step than I want him to. And so I, it, it registered in my brain that he was one step further than I wanted him to go. And, uh, you know, I, I held the left side of the window. I, I you know, I, I thought I could still make the shot. I released the shot, you know, perfect hit, perfect pass through. He runs off and, uh, you know, I just sit down and give it a little bit of time, walk over, look at my arrow and immediately, you know, the bad shot. It, there's gut, gut material on the arrow. Ah, no. And so, at, yeah, at that point, you know, it, it kind of starts flooding in on me. Like, you know, I, I registered that he took that extra step. I I probably shouldn't have shot. You know, I might have had another opportunity to just let him keep going. All this stuff comes rushing in. And so, you know, I just sat down and, and just kind of tried to keep my calm. And I think I gave him, I don't know, I think I gave him like four hours or something. And, uh, you know, the whole herd was over there. You could still hear all the cows mewing and I, I didn't want to go blazing over there and push, push everything out of there. Yeah. And so I, I gave him, I think four hours, I, I think I shot him at like 11 in the morning and, uh, you know, I just backed out and, and gave him as much time as I could. And then I just started kind of still hunting my way back in on him. And, um, 
I got back into amongst all the cows and they're all still right in there and I couldn't quite pick out the bull anywhere and I again just still didn't want to bump him any further so I turned around backed out for the night and uh you know went back out to my camp and and uh and then got up the next morning went back up over the pass and down into this bowl and by then you know the, the herd had moved off and and got back onto what little blood trail there was i mean there was just stacks of blood and so you're more or less just following elk tracks through you know a, a steep dark forest and uh so there's a lot of back and forth and just yeah. grid searching at that point trying to well, I'm not quite grid searching yet. Okay. I'm still trying to follow. I'm still trying to follow elk tracks and like trying to track. Got it. And so it finally, they finally, the herd kind of funnels into a trail, and I get on the trail. I'm following the trail for, you know, maybe half a mile or something, and it, and at that point it's you know, mid afternoon, and I'm start you know starting to, starting to doubt myself and. Like, you know, maybe I'm not even on his trail and all this stuff. And so I sat down and, you know, I'm eating a candy bar and, you know, kind of crinkling wrappers and and kind of making a little bit of noise. And uh, so after that, I stand up and I just start walking kind of too quickly. And over the next little rise, like 50 yards away, sure enough, I go over this little rise and bump him up out of his bed. He was laying right there. Oh, I had just eaten lunch. Man. And so at that point, I see him get up and turn, and, you know, there's blood down his side and just a flash of elk, and he's gone. And so, um, you know, at that point, I I kind of tried to pursue him, and, like, instantly it was just into dog hair thick timber and making too much noise. And so I backed out again. And... uh let me think. At that point, I had to return to work for a day, so I zipped back into town, and then left again that night. I just went into the town, got my stuff taken care of, and then went right back out there that night. And uh, you know, camped. The next morning, I get up again, go back into the same spot, and um, at that point, you know, I'm thinking, I'm either going to find a dead elk in here, or or he'll be gone. He's gonna, you know, I'll, I'll yeah. never see him again. And so at that point, I, I pretty much, that's when I start grid searching. And uh, I go all the way around the whole drainage and kind of glass back down into it to, you know, see if I can see birds or, you know, a bear or, you know, something to find this elk and uh, glass all that for most of the morning and nothing and so I'm starting to work my way back and kind of working through it's, it's, you know, it's a bottom. So it's good timber with patches of small openings. And, uh, and so I'm kind of just still hunting my way through it. And I stepped into, you know, step out of a dark patch into, you know, maybe a 15 yard wide, um, opening and, and there's my bull just walking away from me. Oh God. <laughs> and, uh, at that point I, you know, I registered in my brain, like, 
like, oh, I just bumped him out of his bed, and he's so sick that he can't run. He's just walking, you know. And uh, we've all bumped elk before, and, you know, it's just a flash of yellow and branches breaking, and they're gone. He's just, like, walking away from me. And so I'm, like, scrambling, like, getting arrow knocked and, and trying to trying to line up a, a, a shooting path through all the trees and, and um, get, get drawn back, release my arrow. And uh, at that point, the bull reacts, and I thought for sure I'd hit him again. Um, you know, I was down, crouched in kind of an awkward position and stuff. And uh, he reacts to the shot going off, but he's still just walking away from me slowly. And um, so at that point, it's like, run, you know, like, <laughs> there's my elk. Go get another shot. And so I break out into a run and get, you know, like maybe two strides or so. And uh, behind me, there's suddenly just a tornado of shit breaking. <laughs> There's branches and stuff coming down. And so, um, you know, I, 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 I shoot with a handheld release. So I've got my release in my right hand. Uh, my bow is in my left hand and I turn and look back to the trees that I had just shot from. And there's the bear is coming at full tilt out of those trees, um, straight at me. Oh shit. So I just draw and and shoot, Um, you know, it was very much just one fluid motion. I didn't recognize my sights on that first shot. And How far away was he, do you think, when you took the first shot? Like, was he within five yards, ten yards? Yeah, so so at this point, I'm thinking I have a second arrow in the bowl. I thought I hit him. And so... Like, after all this happens, I return to this area, um, you know, thinking there's going to be still, again, a dead elk in there. And so I was able to range right directly from where I was standing to the trees. And he came out of the trees at seven yards. And so I don't know what I shot him at. He was (laughs) very close. Yeah. Very close. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, just one, one shot and. I, th- I think I was yelling, hey, bear. I, I mean, I know I was yelling, hey, bear. I think I got one out before the shot and then certainly after the shot. And so he's coming full bore, and he, I shot, and he kind of laid back onto his haunches and pivoted, you know, 90 degrees and paralleled me for, like, one stride and then just went straight back into it trees where he came from oh gosh um you know so so i pulled out shot the recoil pulse happened i acquired my sights on him and at that point he was you know acting away from me and uh you know from there that's you know it sounded like the tasmanian devil or something you know he's he's growling and popping his jaws and he went down into a, a big willow thicket and, uh, you know, it just sounded like a tornado of branches breaking and, and all kinds of stuff. And so at that point, you know, the bear is to my right. Um, the elk that I thought I had just shot again is 
kind of going straight straight away from me and i just turned around and just backed out from both of those two directions just got <laughs> space between me and and all the action yeah you know wow so so he he so, came he came at you you shot once you maybe could have could you have maybe shot another time as he was kind of paralleling you but you kind of decided at that point he was he was exiting the scene yeah exactly um so yeah i i shot once and you know i don't i think that i hit him and i think that i probably hit him in his rear end somewhere from you know like his shoulders back cuz i was the angle that i was holding my arm was pointing down so you know he was like at my feet i think i probably hit him if i did hit him in his back somewhere and and like i said you know the recoil pulse and i reacquired my sights on him as he was turning and exiting and uh, you know so yeah it was it all happened you know the whole incident happened probably two seconds I yeah. Would yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not much time there. I think I think myself just in that scenario if I had another shot at him, I don't know if I would have been able to to hold off the trigger like like you did. I I think I might have just kept firing until I didn't see that bear anymore, but <laughs> I have no idea. Right. That's yeah. just wild. Yeah, exactly. I didn't that thought didn't enter my mind. I don't think um you know, once I saw him going away from me you know i only saw him i mean like i said i only saw him for probably less than two seconds you know a draw stroke takes a second so you know i only had another second to to get off two shots um so yeah i mean once he was going away from me and i started exiting the scene um you know i i just backed out into a big clearing um you know topped off my gun and then just exited the valley. You know? Oh man, what was what was going through your head at that point? I mean, uh, I imagine there's got to be this uh, a huge rush of adrenaline and 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 that. But I mean, were you rattled? Were you freaking shaking? Like, what did that look like? Yeah, it's funny. Um, I so at that point I'd been searching for an elk for. Um, you know, three days or three, four days or something like that. And so, you know, I, I had just found that elk. I thought I had shot him again. You know, I thought I'd gotten another arrow into him again. And so I was just utterly elated that I had found this elk that I thought I had lost. Yeah. You know, and it just so happened that there was also a bear there <laughs> and, you know, like, like he kind of won my elk too. And, now he's gone again. And so I was still just fully concentrating on this elk. And, um, I got, I, uh, I do carry, a like a Garmin in reach a, a satellite messenger. And so I, I sent out a message to my brother, um, you know, asking for help to come pack this bull out. And, uh, and I said that, you know, I, I'd had a bear encounter and, and that um, asking him to, to bring another buddy and to come up and, and we'll all three go in and, and get the cell because I'm sure I just got him, you know? Yeah. And so I back out that right after the encounter and, and go and, and 
pretty much, well, let's see here. No, yeah, I drove all the way back out and called in the encounter at that point. To and, the, um, the wildlife department? To FWP. Yeah. Yep, to the Fish and Wildlife. And uh, and they were pretty snappy about it. They they got a warden over there, and, and uh, I met with the warden that night and, um, you know, gave them, they wanted to, they wanted to hear my story, basically. And then, you know, I told him everything. I just told you guys. And, uh, and then he, he said that they would investigate it and, and get back in touch with me with any questions. And, uh, and at that point I told him, um, you know, I, I'm sure I've got a dead elk laying in there now. So we're going to go back in there tomorrow to get this elk, which they weren't, you know, they weren't excited about, but <laughs> at the same time, he kind of got where I was coming from. Yeah. And so he, you know, wanted to, wanted me to call him when we got back out and, and, you know, let him know if we found a bear in there also, or, you know, whatever. And so, um, you know, at that point, uh, my brother and, and another good friend, um, come up the next morning and, and we all three go in there this time. And, uh, you know, go back to pretty much the, the same scene and, um, we're, we're looking for blood and, uh, looking for the elk tracks and stuff and looking for my arrow and finally find my arrow. And it was totally clean. I apparently shot under the bull. Oh and no. So, so at that point it just all came like crashing down on me, you know, like, like all this stuff <laughs> I just went through yeah. and I still don't have this freaking elk. So, um, you know, at, at that point, uh, it was early in the morning still, all three of us kind of broke up and, and grid searched the direction that I thought that elk was going. We never even really went up the valley, which is the direction the bear went. You know, we were, obviously very aware of what just happened so we were doing what we could to avoid going where i thought that bear was at even though i thought there was a dead elk in there you know we yeah we were fully expecting to go in there and and um you know find a dead elk with a bear on it at, w- at which point we would have backed out of and you know marked it and backed out of and receded our, our rights to the elk but, yeah I just, I just had to keep looking. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So you, I mean, you're, I mean, it seems like that, that bear was also trailing that elk. Is that, is that kind of what you were under the notion or do you think it was kind of caught off guard as well or? Yeah. Yep. So, so, you know, like I said, when I first, when, as it was happening, I registered it as, you know, I bumped this elk out of his bed and he's too sick to run. I think, you know, now looking back at it, I think what happened was that elk and that bear were, you know, kind of having a standoff in that in that group of timber that I just happened to wander right in between the two of them. And that elk knew that bear was there, and that's probably why he didn't run. He, you know, didn't want to turn and then run away from that bear and have that bear chase him. Um, it wasn't God. until I took off running after that elk that that bear saw my excited movement 
and you know his predator senses kicked in and said here's something to chase you know <laughs> oh, he came man. after me that's so, wild. um you know i'm sure that it just sucks to say but i know i got hit that elk i'm sure that elk died in the next couple of nights and um i'm sure that bear could could you know smell it or sense it or whatever and was either just trailing that elk or or was maybe trying to to you know make a kill and finish them off but um yeah i i think that's that's certainly the reason that bear was in that area yeah yeah a hundred percent now do you have like what's What's your perspective on on grizzly bears now that you've had this? I mean, very close encounter. Thank God, you know, you didn't end up getting mauled or you know physically harmed. But like, do yeah. you have a different perspective or a different appreciation for them now that you've had that you know charge and and you've been in that really crazy scenario? Right. Um, I don't to really think about this because. I don't think I do have any, any different outlook on them. Um, you know, again, going back to what I said previously, it was a series of mistakes leading up to a bad encounter. And so, you know, I mean, I was well aware of the mistakes I was making, you know, going in there by myself, um, you know, hunting quietly through the timber, not making noise, all this stuff. Um, you know, I was aware that I was putting myself in the worst, possible situation that you can put yourself in and so for the encounter to come out as it did you know it 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 sucks to say but it's like almost expected um i could see that my outlook would be much different if i just happened to have that encounter you know hiking down the trail or if a bear came into my camp or something yeah um i could see i could see it being different but um no i mean i I, I I would like to say that I'll I'll do things differently next time. You know, if I'm trailing a, a pet bull, it's it's a darn darn good idea to have a partner in there with you. You know, yeah. Just just for this, I mean, for the tracking, also, but obviously for for you know an encounter like this, um, you know, I'm overall I'm. I'm happy to see bears on the landscape. I'm happy that we have large predators on the landscape. Um, I would like to see, you know, I'd like to see more habitat and more game on that habitat. So um, I think they say that, you know, grizzly bears have around 4% of their native range or something like that. If we could have that be on 100% of their range, then, you know, they'd be here in Billings, Montana and, out in Miles City and everything. Obviously, yeah. we we can't have have um, that kind of a population. But uh, no, I I think I'm I'm happy that they're out there. I think it's good for the soul to have that primordial fear of <laughs> of, a, of a you know of a superior being of a superior animal out there. You know, it's it's good to to keep your ego in check. <laughs> yeah. If you will. Not the top of the food chain in that scenario. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. We we have guns and everything. Mm. Automobiles and all that stuff, but 
when it's just you and a bear out there, you're not at the top of the food chain anymore. <laughs> For sure. Now, what did the uh, Fish and Game say about this incident? Did they ever get back to you with anything? Yeah. So, uh, you know, so after all that occurred, we went back out and, and I called them again. And, um, you know, we, we never found, uh, we never found any bear blood. I mean, we didn't really track him or anything, but we didn't find any bear blood, obviously didn't find a bear carcass laying there. Um, so we told them that and, uh, and they, uh, you know, they, they said that they were going to go in and do a pack trip into this area to, to look around and, and, you know, just check up on my story. And, uh, I mean, they were super easy to work with. They, they went in and did that. And I think, I think I, I asked the guy to, you know, like, look, look for my bull, see if you, let me know if you find a bull back there. And I think he called me back afterwards and, you know, told me about their trip in there and, and, um, said he never you know they never found a bear or anything either um and then they you know they said that it sounds like you know my encounter was a a legitimate act of self-defense and that was cut and dry and not to you know expect anything more from them so um they were very pleasant to deal with um like i said i i came out of the mountains and called them and within and it was I don't know. It was, it was pretty late at night. I think when, by the time I got out and called them and they had a, they were quick to act. They had a, a, a warden that was driving down the highway. I think who was, and just happened to be somewhat close to me and he turned around and came back and interviewed me. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they were, they were, they were totally fine to deal with and, and happy to help me out and everything. So, yeah, yeah. That seems, that's that's good to hear. I, I it's got my mind kind of racing. I was like, man, I need to I need to interview one of those officers that you know has gone in and did yeah, a lot of these be, grizzly investigations. I think that'd be really neat to hear all their stories. <laughs> it would be interesting to hear from them because uh, you know I kind of chatted to chat with them, and this happened the weekend that um, over in Ennis, I think there were three bear attacks in like the same weekend in the same drainage. And this happened the same weekend as those three attacks. And so, you know, he was, he was kind of telling me about those attacks and, and, uh, so yeah, it would be, I'm sure they, they get a lot of, a lot of reports. It'd be interesting to, to hear. Yeah. Yeah. On it. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, you know, I, I, obviously I don't live in that area and I don't really know anything about grizzly bears and, and, you know, their populations, but gosh, I would have to think at some point, you know, there would have to be some consideration for grizzly bear hunting in the lower 48. I think it's been on the docket before, but it's been always pushed down, but gosh, it just seems like these incidents are occurring or maybe we're just hearing about them more because of news and how stuff spreads through social media and whatnot, but maybe it has something to do with that. But it seems like at some point there might have to be some sort of hunting season, you know, in regards to grizzly bears. Like what's, what's your take on that? Would you be for that? Would you be against it? No opinion. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, currently there's, there's still or back on the endangered species. Act, you know, um, they've been, 
they've been removed twice and then through litigation they've been put back on twice um again and uh so currently you know we're not for the immediate future we're not going to be hunting them anytime soon yeah um i think the you know the current the current argument against it is is these this idea that uh you know we have we have island populations of bears that are that are thriving that are above objective but um you know some people are worried that these island populations need to be interconnected to to share genetic um you know to ensure genetic viability and so you know we have these pockets of of bears that are over 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 objective to you know to satisfy the esa requirements and um it would sure be nice if we could remove ESA protection from portions of the grizzly bear population and still leave other portions that haven't, 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 uh, recovered protected, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I would like to see him removed off the ESA and then at that point, um, I, I think there is a sustainable enough population that we could begin to hunt them. Um, I think at the levels that we would, the levels of take that we would be allowed, you know, I think it's only going to look like maybe a couple of bears a year. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, it would be, I would be, I'm all for that. I'm 100%. Um, so hopefully, hopefully we'll see it in the next 10 years. Um, that's that's definitely something that that I think we all need to be paying attention to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Obviously, grizzly bears by nature are very, you know, can be very aggressive and, you know, they're at the top of the food chain, but you can't help but wonder, you know, if if these attacks keep happening more often that maybe they might be just building some association with I mean, humans are not a threat because they're not getting hunted or they're they're only getting shot at unless they're, you know, attacking or in in pursuit of something mm-hmm. like that so i you just you just wonder if it if we're if we're kind of setting ourselves up for more of these to happen because of there's not any sort of uh hunting taking place currently on grizzlies right yeah 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 that's certainly a, a question worth pondering and and i don't know if you know if we're only going to be able to hunt you know one or two bears a year how long it, it would take to to reinstill this yeah you know, is it gonna do anything yeah you never know yeah is it gonna do anything um especially when already the the incidents that we're having are largely when you know you're stumbling onto a kill site or you're you're scaring the bear you know startling the bear um i think you know with my past experiences um you know if you if the bear knows you're coming um, you know, I, I've seen them on trailhead on trails and, and made noise and stuff, and they've turned and left. Um, you know, they already have a innate fear or, or just want to avoid humans. It's just when we're, you know, either either threatening their food source or or just too dang close and, and startling them yeah. that we're having these these negative encounters. So, it I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if if uh, if K 
killing some of them would 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 lower those negative encounters or not yeah yeah interesting stuff well, Mike, this has been really cool. I've I've really enjoyed this. I've learned a lot from, you know, just grizzly bear country, elk hunting in general to, you know, what not to do, what to do, <laughs> to, and then also just, yeah, you know, yeah, being good. being with you there while, you know, you're telling the story. It feels like I'm, I was out there with you. It was, it was just really cool to, to hear that. And, um, you know, in, in, uh, interesting to say the least. I really, I really enjoyed that. I, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, good. It's been fun. I, I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, we'll have to have you back on at some point. You know, it sounds like you're a very well seasoned hunter in, in the Elkwoods. Might have to get you back on for an episode to give us some tips and some, you know, further hunting stories. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That sounds like a good time. You'll have to let me know if you ever make it up to Montana here. For sure. Yeah, I, I definitely will. Like I said, I. It's on the docket here in the next year or so to, to start hunting Idaho, Montana, trying some different places. I, I do want to hunt in grizzly country. I think that would be really cool and, and cut my teeth there. So I'll, I'll, I'm sure once I kind of get things lined up, I'll, uh, I'll definitely be reaching out to you for some pointers and some, you know, some preparation. For yeah, that you hunt. <laughs> yeah, you bet. Well, cool, happy to help out. Yeah, well, great. I appreciate it. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again, and, and um, you have a great evening, Mike. All right. Thanks a lot. All right, and there it is, another episode in the books. Big thanks to Mike for coming on the show. Had a blast. Really enjoyed that and learned a lot. You know, I, I, I will be hunting Idaho or Montana, uh, you know, within the next couple of years, so this has got me really excited to do that and you know grizzly bear hunting it's it's not grizzly bear hunting but hunting elk in grizzly country is is just something that's kind of magical or i guess you kind of you kind of become more drawn to something that has a level of danger to it right so then that's kind of where i'm at so I, i just thought that was really cool uh really enjoyed the story man that's gotta be really scary to have an animal like that come charging at you with really no time to react and and sounds like Mike handled it about as as best as he could and and uh so that was just really wild and hope you guys enjoyed that too if again if you are planning on hunting elk in Colorado you've yet to do it definitely go to transitionwild.com subscribe and get the Colorado beginner elk hunting guide it's going to walk you through everything from scouting to gear to um resources on you know tags and and draw odds and and all that stuff so go subscribe transitionwild.com i'll send you the colorado beginner elk hunting guide for free make sure you're leaving those five star reviews whether you're listening on itunes stitcher podbean google play um spotify i mean we're everywhere now on the sportsman's nation network so Make sure any platform you're listening to, subscribe, leave those reviews. It really does mean a lot, and uh, I really appreciate that. All right, thanks again to our sponsors, Expedition Archery, Skull Brew Coffee, and Outdoor Edge Knives. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon.